This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. We're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 24, so if you guys turn there and uh, we'll get started. Kind of recap a little bit of what's been going on. Uh, We're talking about the last few days of Jesus' life right before he gets crucified. Um, in the previous chapters before, he was, uh, he came into Jerusalem, you know, and now he's gone through the temple where he pretty much told the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all the religious teachers, I mean, he pretty much told them what was, what was up. You know, he told those guys, look, you guys are, something's wrong with you guys. You know, he, I mean, he really cleaned house. So now we're kind of towards the end, you know, he's exiting the temple, he's on his way out, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to jump to verse 23 through 27. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on in this chapter. There's a lot of uh, talk about the end times and the destruction of the temple. I'm primarily going to focus on false messiah and false prophet. That's what I chose. Um, So, That's kind of something I'm kind of into as far as uh, Christian apologetics go, which is defending your faith. Um, So that's something that that really interests me. So I'm excited to be here to teach you guys about that. And hopefully, uh, you know, God will teach us some new things tonight and what what our responsibility is and how we handle these um, false teachers. So uh, let's go ahead and start on verse 1 there, chapter 24. As Jesus left... And was going out of the temple complex, his disciples came up and called his attention to the temple buildings. Then he replied to them, Don't you see all these things, I assure you? Not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. So they're on their way out of the temple, right? And the disciples, they they get Jesus' attention. They're like, you know, look at the temple. Look how grand it is, Jesus. And, And it was a really grand temple. I mean, all kinds of money was poured into it. Uh, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, he kind of goes into detail in his writings about how the temple looked. Uh, He said that some of the stones that they used to build the temple were 37 feet long, 12 feet high, and 18 feet wide. I mean, just think about like that boulder and the men that had to put that together to build this miraculous temple. It was covered in all kinds. I mean, and they used the, the, the most choice stone, and it would just have gold everywhere. Um, so it was, it was very beautiful. And uh, Jesus, the way he responds, is not like, not quite how you would think, you know, because it's like the, the, the disciples are, they're so excited about it. Like, man, look at the temple. And the temple was a big deal in the Jewish culture. That's where the Jews went um, you know, to, off, to do their offerings. That's, that's kind of like the hub for Jewish culture. You know, they, if, you, if you were anybody, you went there. You didn't want to be exiled from the temple. You wanted to be part of the temple. Um, it's kind of where they all hang out, where they fellowship. And so they're, they're exiting and they're, and they're admiring this temple. And uh, Jesus says, look, not one of these stones are going to be left on top of the other. You know, and I'm thinking as the disciples, like, man, I mean, can you just like look at it and enjoy it a little bit? Jesus. And uh, but he's like, you know, th- these stones are going to be thrown down. And it's kind of cool. I wanted to mention this. This this really doesn't have much to do about what I'm going to talk about, but I wanted to mention it just for historical purposes because I think it's really cool because Jesus right here, he is prophesying on what's going to happen to the temple, right? And uh, and we do. 
we, we do have historical content on that. And actually, in A.D. 70 is when the temple was destroyed. Uh, Josephus actually has the um, account of that. And uh, what happened is the Romans, they came in and, and basically they sacked Jerusalem. I mean, they took it over. And they, they lit the place up on fire. I mean, they just torched it. And so they're like, all right, well, you know, how does that fit into this prophecy here? So they lit the, you know, they plundered the temple. They, they lit it on fire. And the gold around this temple here, it started to melt because of all, of all the fire. It got really hot, you know, so it melted. And it goes in between the cracks of these stones, right? And then after it's all said and done and it all dries up, the Romans, they came back because they wanted to get this gold, you know, so they, they pried these stones apart so they can get to that gold that was in the middle. Um, just something I wanted to share. Just I thought that was a cool thing, you know, on, on how Jesus you know, prophesied that and how that was fulfilled. Next, um, they're, they're exiting the temple. They're outside of Jerusalem now. They're in the Mount, Mount of Olives. And he's telling them, you know, the disciples are curious because Jesus just said this thing about the temple. So, you know, the next natural thing would be, when is this going to happen, Lord? And that's exactly what they do. If you look there on verse 3, they were sitting in the Mount of Olives. The disciples approached him privately and said, tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they're, they're asking a couple different questions there, right? They're asking, you know, when, when's this temple going to be destroyed? Um, when, are, when, are the, when are the signs of you coming and the end of this age? They're, they're curious, just like I would be if I was there. You know, I want to know what's going on here. Why, why did you say that, Jesus? And uh, here's where we get into the false prophets and false messiahs. And this is the very first thing that Jesus mentions here. He says, uh, verse 4 and 5 there, Jesus replied to them and said, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, um, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. All right, and then if you go over to verses 23 through 27, he says it again. So obviously this is a big deal for Jesus. This is a serious matter. He's repeating it to them again. Um, and and, and the, the verses in between here, you know, he starts getting into the end times and things like that, which I'm not going to focus on that today. Um, but right there on verse 23, if everybody gets there, and he's talking about this again. He says, if anyone tells you then, look, here's the Messiah, or over here, do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead you astray, if possible, even the elect. All right, take note, verse 25. I have told you in advance. He's, he's telling them, he's warning them right now. So, that, uh, so if they tell you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will it be when the coming of the Son of Man. Um, I like how Jesus uh, just kind of goes into that and he, and he answers that. Here's the thing about the false prophets, the false messiahs. And we're going to kind of define some terms here so we kind of understand what he's talking about. Now, a false messiah was obviously not a true messiah. We know that Jesus is the one that was prophesied, and he filled, uh, fulfilled a lot of these prophecies, some that are yet to be fulfilled. But a false messiah would be one who is an imposter or an impersonator, right? And there's a difference between a false Christ and the Antichrist. The Antichrist is somebody who's completely against Jesus, the opposite. He opposes him, all right? So we, we don't want to get the two confused. Um, and as well as a false prophet, you know, uh, being a false teacher. 
And um, this term, Messiah, or the Christ, was very special to the Jewish culture. Um, it, it was it's written all through the their um, the law and 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 their books. Uh, if you do a word study on the on the word Messiah, in Hebrew it means anointed one. All right, and then if you take the Greek equivalent of that, meaning Christos, is what the Greek equivalent is, where which is where we get our word Christ. All right, so the Jews, you know, they're they're anxiously awaiting the Messiah, but. Like so many things in, in, the, in the New Testament with the disciples, they don't quite get exactly how things were going to come about. You know, they don't quite understand how things would be fulfilled. They were more looking to see uh, like a warrior king come in and just kind of take Israel back. They were like, they were a small picture, looking at the small picture where Jesus, you know, God, he had a big picture more so. Not just to save them right then and there, but save them for eternity. Um, and, and, the, and his disciples, they understood about false prophets. If in, in their writings, in the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22, it talks about false prophets there. Um, and that verse, you know, says, if a prophet speaks in the Lord's name and his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and, and does not need to be feared. All right, so basically a false prophet, if he came and said, look, this is going to happen and it doesn't happen, that's not a prophet from God, right? So they understood about this. Um, and in the Old Testament, uh, if, if they prophesied wrong, they would just kill them. Um, but anyways, we do have some examples of some false messiahs because Jesus was talking to them and something that would happen in their lifetime. So let's turn to Acts chapter 5 and look there. Acts chapter 5, verse 36 through 39. Here um, in this, this part of, the, of Acts, uh, Gamaliel is the one speaking. He's a, a religious leader, a Pharisee. He's the guy that Paul studied under. And here, the, uh, Peter and the apostles, they're on trial for, for sharing the gospel, sharing about Jesus. And Gamaliel here, he's talking about these false messiahs that came. So right there on verse 36, it says, For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody... And a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men, he's talking about the disciples here, and let them alone. For if this plan of, or, or this undertaking is of man, it will fail, but... If it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. And obviously we know now that this was something of God because here we are, you know, as believers. Um, and uh, so who are these people that Gamaliel's talking about? Now, this particular Thutis that he mentions, there's not a whole lot historically that we know about him. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of spotty in some areas. But there is a Thutis that rose up in A.D. 44. Josephus is the one, um, the Jewish historian, he's the one that kind of tells about him. Now, this Thutis, he promised that he would divide the Jordan. You know, he, so he's got all these Jews that are following him, and they, they're looking at him as the Messiah. You know, the Romans are here, um, they're in power, and so this guy, Thutis, rises up, um, and he leads these, these Jews away, and he says, look, I'm going to divide the Jordan, we're going to cross and uh, we're going to be okay, you know, knowing, not knowing that there's this Roman army coming to them. 
And uh, anyways, what happens in this story is that they get massacred. You know, it, it, Josephus even talks about that these men, these Jewish men, they jumped into the Jordan and they drowned. Uh, this guy, Thutis, was not the Messiah. You know, he could not part the Jordan. Um, so he failed in that. And uh, a lot of Jews died. A lot of them were taken captive. And then uh, the other guy that, that Gamaliel speaks about here is Judas the Galilean. Now, this guy, he was around in A.D. 6-7. Um, if you remember, if you go back to Luke, and he's talking about um, when Mary and Joseph had to go back to their hometown, uh, when Quirinius was the governor at that time, and he, he took on a census. Now, it's not talking about the first census here. It's talking about the second census that he did. He did another one in A.D. 6-7. So this guy, Judas the Galilean, he rose up. Um, he was against the Roman governor, government. Um, he did not want to you know, pay their taxes and, and this kind of stuff. So he led a revolution. He revolted against the, the, the Romans here. Um, but just like Thutis, a lot of Jews followed him, and they ended up meeting their end. They ended up dying, and they perished. They thought of him as a as the Messiah, but um, he too ended up dying, and a lot of his followers ended up scattering. Um, so what about further on? We know that uh, that Paul dealt with a lot of false prophets, a lot of false messiahs. In, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about the Judaizers. These were uh, Christian Jews that were, say, that were saying that, you know, faith and works is what got your salvation. Not just simply believing, but they were adding to the gospel. All right? They were preaching a different gospel. So now that we have that, that those false prophets and, and, and teachers and, and messiahs in that context with these guys. What about today? What do we do about it today? How do we handle false prophets and teachers today? Do we have any? Um, and the, the answer to that is yes, we do. How do we tell and what should we do about it? Uh, let's turn to Galatians 1.8. Give you guys an opportunity to get there. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. And this kind of gives us a little bit of a description of some of these false teachers. One of my favorite verses, by the way. Galatians 1.8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than what we have preached to you, then a curse be on them. And this is Paul, okay? He's talking to the Galatian church. Um, really interesting here about this. Um, if you guys do any, have you ever studied any other of you know, the religions that are out there, any false um, religions that, that have come about? This is exactly how uh, Mormonism and Islam began, was an angel came down and talked to Joseph Smith. He was about 17 years old. The angel was named was Moroni. And he said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose you to translate this new gospel, essentially, right, which, which ended up becoming the Book of Mormon. Uh, and, and that's what, you know, and Paul, Paul is already talking about this years and years and years before, that even if an angel came down and tells you, look, this is a different gospel, it's, it's incorrect. All right, so that happened. Same thing with Islam. It's amazing how, if you ever study the two, they're, they're very similar on how they got started. Um, but in Islam, Muhammad, who was the founder of Islam, he, was, he would often go into a cave and meditate and, and pray. And uh, the, the story goes that Gabe, the angel Gabriel came down to Muhammad and said, look, I want you to... Dict, you know, I want you to write down what I'm saying. 
and ended up being the Quran. You know, that, so that's how the Quran was formed. So here we go, another example of an angel coming down to these men and saying, look, there's, this is a different gospel. There's a different way to live, uh, a new way of salvation, which is wrong. So here, here we go again. Paul is already telling us, and, and uh, the, he's got this example of things that have already happened now, and now, you know, now we know how that came to be. And it's no surprise uh, that they would take on a form of an angel. The Bible tells us, if you look at 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says, no one, it's no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light, right? So the Bible, it's already telling us that, angel, that, that the demons can come that way. They can take on a form of an angel. They can look real good and, and, and friendly and real pretty, uh, but it's a false truth, you know? Um, so let's move over to 2 Timothy now. We'll give another quick example here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. All right, and this one says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Man, doesn't that sound like today? Like, it, it just rings today. You know, whatever is good for me is good for me. I want to do it my way. That's the best way. Um, that's exactly what's going on in our world today. And that, that time is now. Uh, you know, people want to hear what is good for them, what works for their lifestyle. What, they don't want to live by the standards that God set for us because that doesn't work for them. Um, they don't want to do that. They want to do something that kind of goes along with their lifestyle. And they want to hear it from somebody who's going to encourage that. You know, these, this false teacher, the itching ears is what he's talking about here. So they have rejected the truth, and now they're chasing after these myths. All right? So what are we going to do, church, Christian? What, are we, what should we do about this? Well, first of all, it begins with us. All right? It begins with us here. This is a heart issue on how we are to handle false prophets and false messiahs. All right? So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. A lot, of turn, a lot of page turning today. I'm excited about it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Now, Jesus also said this verse in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. It's the greatest commandment. Most of you probably got this memorized. All right, so Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I am giving you today must be in your heart. So we have to have a firm foundation on our beliefs, or we're going to be deceived. We're going to be led astray. Um, you can only do this by being in the Word, by being in prayer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add, you know, you've got to be connected to a body of believers. You have to have a support system, right? And I love how, this, how God had this written. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of it. And Rick always says, what does all mean? Everybody remember what Rick's saying is? All means all, and that's all it means, right? It says all your soul, all, all your heart, all your strength. It, I mean, it's got to take everything. Now let's look at these words real carefully. Let's look at the word heart. The Hebrew word for heart is labab, which can mean your will, your intentions, 
And, and the Hebrews even connect it with your mind. It can also be defined as mind, which is really interesting because think about it this way. Um, whatever is in your heart is basically what you're thinking in your mind. Remember what Jesus said? If you, uh, if you hate your brother, if you, um, what was he talking about? About committing murder, right? If you've, if you've committed murder, if you're thinking negatively about somebody, you've already committed murder in your heart, right? And he talked the same way about adultery, right? He said, if you look lustfully upon a, a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. Cause it, and it's not, it's not that you're looking. That's, that's not the, the wrong part, right? Not your, your eyes aren't doing anything. But what you see with your eye is what enters into your mind, right? So the two are connected. It's cool like how that word works perfect with your mind. Uh, the Greek word cardia, which is where we get cardio or cardiovascular, that's, a, that's the Greek equivalent of the word heart, cardia. And it also means the same thing, our intentions or your center of your being. Let's, um, you don't have to turn to this one, but I want to kind of mention this. Psalm 119.11 says, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I, so that I may not sin against you. So the, the word of God all right, if it's, if it's something that needs to be here, we need to treasure it. We need to hold on to it. We need to have it memorized. Because that's what verse 6 said, right? These words I am giving you today are to be in your heart. That is not an option. All right, that is something that we need to hold dearly. It needs to be treasured. We need to know the word of God or we will be deceived. We will be led astray. It's our job. It's our duty to know what our Lord says to us. Um, that's why Jesus mentioned this. I mean, he, he started going, in, going into his disciples, talking to them about not being deceived. It's the first thing he talked about because he knew that so many would come along to deceive so many people away from the truth. So that's why it's so important that you are in the Word, that you are memorizing, that you are studying it. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Right? The Word of God reveals God's will. Right? You can't have one and the other. You have to be in the Word. If you want to know what God's will for your life is, what do you have to do? You have to get in His Word. You have to spend time in prayer. It, that is not an option. You have to do that. Right? Deuteronomy tell, has told us that. Jesus again mentions it in, in Matthew 22. It's an important thing. Let's look at the word soul, because that's part of that. You know, love the Lord your God with, with all your soul. The word soul, the, the, the Hebrew of it is nefesh which means passion or desire. It's where your passion and desire comes from. It comes from your soul. Now, the two worked hand in hand together. If we, if, if, if we have a passion, if we have a desire to know the Lord, uh, how he wants us to know him, if we have a passion for his word, then we're going to have the ability to go and tell people about the Lord, right? We're going to go out there and want to imitate Christ because that's what it's about is imitating Jesus not just getting all this biblical knowledge and keeping it in here. We got to let it out. All right, so the two work perfect together. Passion and desire. We got to have that, we got to have that drive for his word. We got to be in it. We got to be studying it. And then it just leads to loving the Lord with all your strength. If you have that desire for, the, for, the, for the, uh, God's word, then guess what? You're going to do everything. You, you're going to use everything you got, your, your, your strength, everything, your, your might, to go make sure that you're doing the, God's will, right? Why is it important for us to memorize God's Word? Uh, why is it important for us to study it? Let's look at uh, 1 Peter 3.15. 1 Peter 3.15-16 there. 
Now, right here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Already, the verse begins with the heart issue. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Already, it's attacking the heart. You, can't, you, you, you have to have that. First thing, before you get into anything, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. All right, and it says, And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to defend it. Always means always. Not some of the time, not half of the time, not when I feel like it. It means always. You cannot defend Jesus, the biblical Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, if you are not in the Word. If you are not memorizing, because people will come to you and ask questions. It's perfect that Rick talked about uh, this, this new series, the Bible, because it will get people curious, and they will ask questions. And it's our duty to be able to, to, be able to point them in the right direction, right? We need to be able to defend that, too, just in case there's some kind of misconception there uh, about what they're seeing. Because uh, we don't know what the rest of the shows are going to be. They might get some stuff wrong, and we need to be able to, to defend it correctly. All right, Second Timothy uh, chapter 3. Let's turn there. This is the last one for you guys, I promise. Getting good Bible training now, huh? Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16 and 17. Another one of my favorites. All right. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training for righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right. Here is another important Thing. This is why we should memorize, why we should study the Word of God constantly, why we should be in it every day. It says that, God, that, these, that God's Word is useful for teaching, which is what we're doing now, right? What Rick does every Sunday. You know, he is teaching us. We are learning from God uh, for re- rebuking, for calling somebody out in a gentle way. Don't, don't misunderstand that. You know, to, to get a brother, a Christian brother and sister back on the right path. That's an okay thing to do as long as you do it in a gentle way. For correcting, uh, making sure that we're living in God's will, right? And for training for righteousness, right? So scripture is good for all of these things. And, the, and then the last part here, verse 17, very important. So that the servant of God, meaning us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped, right? There, again, there is no choice there. It's a have to. Just like we must always be able to defend it, we must be thoroughly equipped because there's a lot of deception in this world. And if you're not thoroughly equipped, you will be deceived. And that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous place to be, right? One of my seminary professors, uh, he told me this, and it stuck with me ever since he told me. Uh, and this, this goes hand in hand with memorizing God's word. He said, one day our Bibles may be taken away from us. And I was like, all right. I said, that's a, yeah, it's a possibility. One day our, our Bibles may be taken away from us. He said, so the only Bible you may ever have is up here, is in your mind. Right? So I was like, man, like it's serious. It's urgent that we are in the Word of God always, that we're memorizing it. Think about it. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and, and Satan came to him? And Satan, he used Scripture. He twisted Scripture to attack Jesus, right? And what did Jesus fight him back with? Somebody answer. Scripture, right? There's our example right there. That's exactly what we should do. When we're met with 
with deception, with false prophecy, with false teachers that come to us, we need to know the Word of God or we're going to be lost. We're going to be confused and then we're going to be led astray, right? Um, false prophets and, and uh, the false teachers, they're unbelievers, guys. Now, this is not a rant about, you know, you got to be able to bring them down and, and shut them up and all this, this, and that. They're unbelievers, too. They're blinded. Yeah, the Bible talks about they're blinded by the God of this age, talking about Satan, right? So we are to be kind. You know, it's not, it's, you don't use this knowledge, this uh, Christian apologetics, if you're into that, which everybody should be. You should learn how to defend what you believe. Uh, it's not meant to bring somebody down and to bash them. It's meant for them to understand the truth. We need to love them just like Jesus would. We need, to, we need to be able to imitate them, right? We need to imitate him, all right? Um, but you have to be cautious. You still have to be cautious. I don't recommend, you know, because there's a lot that, you know, there's some that come to my neighborhood and come to my door. I'm sure some of you, some of you guys have experienced the same thing. You know, they, they come to your door every March or whatever day. Sometimes you meet them out in the street, you know, different kind of uh, of you know, false groups that, that will come and, and talk to you. Um, and it can be kind of a, an intimidating thing. It can be kind of scary, right? Um, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't feel that way because God didn't give us that. If you, if you look at the verse 2 Timothy, it's uh, verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. It talks about God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline, Right? We, we, the, the spirit that resides in us is not one that's afraid. It's not one that's shy. It's one that has power, all right? The power of, of God, the power of Scripture. It's one that gives us the power to love. That, that It's the type of love that only Jesus can help us do, right? To love on these people, right? And self-discipline. It's a spirit of self-discipline for us to be able to, to control our, our, our urges to be self-disciplined enough to get into this, get into the Word of God right? Um, and for me, I have, a, I have a personal story to kind of share to go along with this. And uh, I had, uh, I think it was probably last summer, Rachel, that we had, we think we had some Jehovah's Witnesses come to our house. Two guys, a younger guy and an older guy. And uh, I was really like hot and heavy into apologetics, you know, still am. I, I love it, you know. I, and that, and that kind of got me into the scriptures. I have, I have a really neat story about that, but I won't get into that now. Um, but I listened to my pastor. Imagine that. I listened to my pastor. You know, he tells me to get into the Word of God, so I did. Um, and uh, so anyways, that kind of passion for apologetics got me into the Word of God. I mean, you can't have one without the other. You have to be in the Word of God to be able to defend your faith, right? So these two guys, you know, they, they come up. And, and like the crazy part about it is that one of, this, one of these guys is my, one of my customers from work. So talk about like, whew, you know, I see this guy every month. Um, and so they're coming up to my door. And the weird part about it is like, wait a minute, this guy doesn't know my address. I still to this day don't know how he got my address. Um, he doesn't know where I live. I just see him once a month. Um, maybe it was a God thing. It had to have been that God brought this man, you know, these two guys to me. So they're coming up and they're talking. And they're, they're uh, talking about the end times as, they, as Jehovah's Witnesses like to do. They like to just go right into, you know, the, the end times and are you ready for it and all this, this and that. So, you know, I just kind of stopped them right there. And, you know, before I went out to them, I prayed. I prayed that I would not be deceived. I prayed that God would protect me and that I would be able to speak in love to these guys. 
And the sad part about that, guys, is when I asked them, I, I just flat out asked them, I said, tell me what you believe. Tell me exactly what, why you believe and what you're doing, what you're doing. And the sad part about it is that both of them, you know, and these guys, are, they're, not, they're not the same age. They're opposite ends here. You know, we had a, a guy who was probably not much older than I am and then an older guy. And their story was mirrored. I mean, exactly the same. Both of their stories. It's like such a sad testimony. You know, it was, oh, you know, I had a rebellious teenage years, but then I got into church, in my church, and now I'm good. That was their story. Both of them. Exactly the same. And, I, and in my mind, I'm like, man, I, my heart is just breaking for these. That's so sad. That that's all it is. And uh, anyways, we got into a discussion, and... Uh, they never came back to my house, but either way, I invited them back, but they just didn't want to come back. Uh, they, didn't, they couldn't answer some of my questions. But anyways, um, that's not the point. The point is to love them. And, uh, and I still love this guy, and I still talk to him at, when he comes to my office. You know, I was like, hey, you know, come on by my office. Let's talk more Bible. You know, he hasn't done it yet, but hopefully one day he will. Um, so this stuff is going on around us all the time. There is false prophecy. There's false deception everywhere. There's so many different, you know, even, even churches that claim, came, uh, claim to be Christian. You know, there is teaching there that is not what Jesus taught, right? So we have to be able to discern what, it, what they're saying from what the Word of God is. That's why it's so important to be in it. We have been given uh, a task, a commission from Jesus. Remember what he said? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, right? And so we are to take that and run with it. Because here's the deal. Um, we're believers. We know that because Jesus died for us. He took our sin away. And we believe that just by simply believing on what Jesus did for us, we're saved, right? We need to be able to share that truth because they're just as hard as we're trying to work to share the gospel, Satan is working overtime, right? That's why these people are coming in the door. They're not, they're not necessarily bad people. You know, they're really nice people. Uh, most of my family are Mormons. Super nice. Awesome people. But they are being led by a, dis- a deceptive spirit. And that's the truth of it, because Scripture tells us. Um, so it is urgent. It is urgent that we go out there and share the gospel. If your heart is not breaking for your friends and for your neighbors and for your co-workers, then you have a heart issue. You have a heart problem that you need to settle with God. And... And maybe you just need to get back into this. Maybe you need to study this. Maybe you need to spend more time in prayer. Um, get, get more connected to, with your support system, with the body of believers. Because uh, you will be led astray if you're not doing these things. Right? So it's urgent that we go out there before Satan gets to them. And I want, I want to leave you guys with that because that, that's just something that I see going on in our world. Um, Rick has been talking a lot about we can't do church like, we, like we've done in the past. We cannot live our, in our comfortable Christian bubble. Um, we can't just go out and come to church and, and go to our small group. And, and those are all good things. Please don't, under, you know, don't misunderstand me. They're all great things. But Jesus said to go and share the message that brings true life. We have the ability, guys, to share something without being shot at without being beheaded. I mean, we're free in this country to do that. So far, we're free to do that. We're free to share the gospel. Uh, so we need to go and do that before it, we do become like some of these other places where we're persecuted in that way. Um, it's urgent that we share the good news. Um, 
So let's go out there and do it. All right, let's quit messing around. You know, we have, if, if you're in the Word and you got all this Bible knowledge and, and, and all this stuff here, then let it out. Because I'm going to say something. I don't mean it to be funny. Although my middle schoolers, they laughed. They thought it was really funny because boys, they're just kind of, you know, they, 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 their heads are somewhere else. But if you have all this biblical knowledge and all this, let's say Jesus, but not really, all right? You know the truth. You have your Bible and you know it. You, you got several scriptures memorized. Man, if you're not sharing that, you are spiritually constipated. Do you understand that? Now, my middle school boys, they laughed, but guess what? They understood exactly what I was talking about. You are spiritually constipated, and you got to let that out. Because if not, it's, guess what? It's not helping anybody else, is it? It's hurting you, right? It's hurting you because you're not doing anything. You are becoming stale. You are becoming, um, you're not becoming useful. You are not doing what Jesus has asked you to do, right? The Great Commission. Church, let's go out there and do it. Let's pray. Um, God, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, it's, um, it's rainy, and I know it's prevented a lot of people from being here, God, but, uh, Lord, sometimes I don't, I don't understand why all this stuff happens, but you have a bigger plan, a bigger picture. And uh, I just pray for our hearts and minds right now, God. Lord, especially that we would see the people around us that are hurting, God, those people that are lost, that are just going day by day not knowing. Uh, they may have questions, God, about what's going to happen after they die. Lord, let us get to them with the message of life, the truth, um, the way, God, and that is through you, Jesus. Before they are deceived by a different spirit, a different gospel, God, let's get to them first, Lord. Help us to uh, be in your word. Help us to give us a passion, a desire for that so that that can in turn, becomes something more, and that is to share that with people. God, you desire for all to come to the knowledge of you, um, but they can't do it, God. Nobody can come to the knowledge of you if we're not saying anything, if we're not speaking up. God, we're just allowing the world to, to deceive them. God, I just pray that you would give us that. Give us that passion. Break our hearts, God, for our friends, for our neighbors, for our family, God. Lord, I just... Uh, Thank you again. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he willingly did what he did for us. And uh, God, I just, uh, I just want to pray for, uh, for safety at, to, as we leave to go home, Lord. Thank you again for this gathering. Thank you for this opportunity to hear from you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.